BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. No, nobody's perfect in every game. It's like, you know, Lamar, Lamar competes. He fights. He plays hard. You're going against... The best defense in football, the schemes, and it's crazy situations. And I just wouldn't rather have any quarterback in the league than Lamar Jackson in a tough situation. Uh, you know, we all try to do our best in every situation. We all try to build and improve, you know, through all these experiences that we have. And, and he's no different. I just love his competitiveness. I'm Lam- I'm Lamar Jackson guy. You know, that's my guy. I believe in him. And I'll take him in every fourth quarter situation from here until until the end of until I'm done coaching, I'll tell you that. So proud of him, and uh, we'll roll with Lamar Jackson. John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson, rough fourth quarter against the Browns on Sunday. One for five, 11 yards, and an interception that became a pick six as the Ravens blew a 14-point lead and lost to the Cleveland Browns. In each of Baltimore's three losses this year, they have blown a fourth-quarter lead. So... You know, it, it kind of gets to the point you were making about Josh Allen. You see statistics. Uh, yeah. Lamar Jackson completing 70.3% of his passes. That's great. But if something is misfiring at the most important moment of a game and you've lost three games, you could have and should have won. Most recently, this game against the Browns, they should have won. And you're one for five for 11 yards with an interception in the fourth quarter. That stands out. Yeah. It stands out. Right. And maybe it maybe it's a fluke or maybe it's a trend, but those are the kind of performances you don't want to see with a game on the line because at some point, not just the game's going to be on the line, but the season's going to be on the line. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I hear you there, right? And he's a superstar, and we look at it, and, you know, we dissect it and all that. And, you know, hey, the first thing I want to say is it's the second-best defense in football, and he gave them a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, and they couldn't hold it. So that's a little bit of a problem, too. 
right? Like, what the hell? But I think there's, you know, some context to the situation a little bit. Okay, they blew a fourth quarter lead early in the year to the Indianapolis Colts. It was a close game. It was a nail-biter throughout. He gave them the lead about halfway through the fourth quarter to put them up 17-6, and then the defense got a 17-16, and the defense got a safety to make it 19-16. Colts went down, kicked a late field goal to send it into overtime. All right. You know, was it his best game there? No, not necessarily. I get it. You know, but it was early in the year. Todd Munkin, we know how early in the year football works. The Steelers game, they lose 17 to 10. Certainly wasn't because of Lamar Jackson. I mean, right? That was the comical game of nobody could catch the ball. And not like couldn't catch the ball like a three yard slant. Like there was like 50 yard bombs in the bread basket, dropped. Balls in the back of the end zone, in the guy's face mask, dropped. Like multiple of that. You know, to where you look at it and go, there was probably like five balls that were for about 150 plus yards and maybe a touchdown or two at least where they didn't deliver for Lamar Jackson, but we're all going to look at it and go, man, Lamar didn't deliver in the fourth quarter of that football game. He made some mistakes too. I get that. I'm not giving him a free pass, but that's the context of that football game. The other day, nothing was easy. You know, yeah, they had the lead. He had 13 completions for the day as is. Baltimore... I watched the film of this game yesterday. Cleveland's awesome on defense. We know that. They're unbelievable on defense. And, the, the, like, Baltimore really didn't sustain drives throughout the day. It was just a series of big plays. That's kind of what they did in that game. And they couldn't really make anything go in the second half of that football game other than the slant to Odell Beckham Jr. Now, yeah, they got to find a way to execute and stay on the field and run the ball a little bit and chew up some clock and put a team away. Certainly, I get that. But I'm certainly not sitting here like doubting Lamar Jackson's ability to, to win football games in the fourth quarter. As you were recounting the fourth quarter collapses, I do have a clear recollection of yeah. Lamar's throw to the end zone to Odo Beckham Jr. that got picked off. That, yeah, that was, that was a bad one. The back Whether shoulder it was because played. it was a bad throw, yeah, right? Or 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 he thought it was Odo Beckham Jr. from nine years ago, not today. Yeah, Odo we Beckham talked Jr. about that, right? That play, right? Maybe nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, now, the other side of it is, and you're right, the defense has to play, and you also have to use the running game to your advantage, too. You go one for five for 11 yards in the fourth quarter. That tells me your running game is going nowhere either. Nowhere, Because right. it's not like they're throwing the ball every time they drop back. They surely had far more than five plays in the fourth quarter. John Harbaugh said yesterday he wants to see more from Keaton Mitchell. And what a stat line for Keaton Mitchell. He had a 39-yard touchdown run yes. and a 32-yard catch-and-run in the first half. In the second half, he was only on the field for four snaps. What the hell is that? And, Chris, listen to this stat line for his rushing. I know. Three attempts for 34 yards with a long of 39. Yes, right. So he had minus five on his other two carries. And they. how does a guy who rips off a 39-yard touchdown only get two other carries for the whole freaking game? Well, that's to my point of, see, this. it was a game of – Baltimore just made like five or six big plays. That was the only thing they did on offense. They could not sustain drives, you know. And that's where – you know, again, context is Cleveland's defense is special. They remind me of the 2015 Broncos where you they, they can win games by themselves. They can make plays and go, we'll score some points too, offense. Don't worry. We'll win this one and we'll help you light up the scoreboard and the process. And they're amazing that way. But, yeah, Keaton Mitchell is a weapon that they got to continue to infuse into this offense. He's special that way. But, yeah, they, you know, you'd like him to be able to run the ball up 14, 
and, and some of these moments they had in the football game to chew up some clock. But at the same time, Balt, I mean, the Browns knew what was coming. They got a bunch of crazy mofos there. They had a bunch of people at the line of scrimmage, and they kind of begged and put the pressure on Baltimore, even though they didn't want to. Hey, pass, throw the ball here in this situation. They tip a ball up in the air, boom, interception, pick six. So, you know, let's not forget it's a very special unit they're playing there. But, yeah, the fourth quarter blowing of leads, it is a little bit weird how it's the second year in a row it's come up with Baltimore. It's hard to put your finger on it totally. A lot of pressure on both teams Thursday night, Bengals at Ravens. The fact that they both lost on Sunday gives that oh game gosh. a little bit more because in a great right. division, in a great conference, you can't. the Bengals can't pick up loss number five and join the Bills in that category of will they even make the playoffs and the Ravens looked like they were in position to capture the one seed before they fell at home to the Browns they need this one they both need this one it'll be a great one and the Browns host the Steelers on Sunday here's Mike Tomlin from his Tuesday press conference on whether he needs to see more from his quarterback Kenny Pickett who had 126 passing yards on Sunday against the Packers here's Tomlin how do you evaluate Kenny's performance, and uh, do you need to see more from him moving forward? Certainly. Um, man, we're going to need more, particularly as this road uh, narrows. But guys like Kenny and myself, man, we're measured by wins and losses. Uh, he and I talk about that often and, and, and openly. Um, we know what our jobs are. Our jobs are to win. Um, and, and so that's where we are. That's where our focus is. Um, you know, I love the fact that he 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 embraces that. Uh, down in and down out are some are there some things to work on certainly, um, but it's not like we're going to start on Wednesday uh, working on those things. Uh, we've been working on those things, and we will continue until we get the desired result. You know, I, I'm not going to sound the alarm on Kenny Pickett because. One of the complaints about the Steelers' offense for me all year has been they don't have an identity. They Agreed. don't have a rhythm. Yeah. They don't have an, a strategy. And, Chris, I meant to say this Monday, you know, as we're getting closer to the playoffs, the Steelers are finding their identity. And it's Jalen Warren for 101 yards and uh -huh. Najee Harris for 82 yards. That's right. Use them both. Use them effectively. Right. Run, run, run. Play good defense. And that... What, what do we always hear is the formula for winning in January? What's the formula? It's run the ball and play good defense. Yeah. So even though they're this team that keeps pulling rabbits out of their ass, they have the formula. They're working on the formula to win in January. I, run I'd the agree. ball and play good defense. I'd agree. I, I'm with you. You know, yeah, in January and, and why that helps. Yeah, because you're going to be playing in some games on a maybe on a grass field and it's 25 degrees and, you know, lighting up the scoreboard with the pass game and all that's not necessarily going to translate to some of those elements you'll play in and play all football. Running the ball and whooping the shit out of somebody translates no matter where you are. And that's where Pittsburgh looks like they're headed. Uh, the defense has been better as of late. The offense with Matt Canada on the sidelines two weeks in a row has definitely showed more juice and an identity, I think, to your point, Mike, there, right? To where hopefully they can become a smash-out running football team and then pick it, play action pass, pickings one-on-one. They can start to take some uh, you know, advantages of that. Right, but that's that's I think as far as it's going to go. I don't expect Kenny Pickett and, and the pass offense to all of a sudden start lighting up the scoreboard here with yards and points. That's not going to happen. I don't think they can readjust their pass philosophy uh, on the fly here right now. No, and Kenny Pickett, to your point, he's really good. 
or he's good. I don't want to say he's really good. He needs a system. You know, one of the reasons I wasn't in love with Pickett when he came out in the draft is just because I didn't really feel like there was anything elite about his football game. There was nothing special about it. I think you see that. He's smart. He goes to the right place with the ball. He moves around well, but his arm is not big time. He doesn't move in a capacity of wow. He doesn't extend plays and make wow throws or wow runs on a consistent basis. So, yeah, they got to do it more from the team basis, and, you know, it seems like they're getting closer there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and, and, you know, that really is the question. I see some of the Steelers fans wondering whether or not they got the wrong guy in Pickett and maybe he's just never going to pan out. But if he's part of a team that the identity is almost like a 70s approach, run the ball, play good right. defense, exactly. when everybody else is throwing the ball, th- think about how hard that is to defend. When you spend all of your time preparing to face high-level passing offenses and then here comes – a team that's crafted in the mold of a 70s team that runs the ball, runs the ball, runs the ball, throws when it has to or when it's set you up with play action because you can't take it anymore from Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. It, it just it, it changes this dynamic of they're going to be an automatic 30-point hey. loss uh, in yeah. the wild card round because if they end up playing outdoors right. somewhere – where it's cold and windy and nasty, they get a good weather day, i.e. a bad weather day, they, they could they could surprise somebody in the wild card round. Yeah, they could. And if you get good enough at that run game and become such enough of a force there, all of a sudden we could be in the wild card game and go, whoa, pick it through for 340. And George Pickens had 120 receiving and Deontay Johnson had 90 because the team goes, wait, we got to go wall in and stop this run game. And then, of course, it helps there. Right. And I think, again, to your point and kind of what you're saying here, this is where everybody, you know, got to get away from the spread and all that college BS that's hurting the NFL at this point. If you look at the top offenses in football, okay, you look at the top five offenses in the game right now, they're four out of the five are run first offenses. The Detroit Lions, it's about their O line and their run game. The 49ers, it starts with their run game. The Dallas Cowboys, they say it's run game. They're trying to be that way, you know, but I'll still give them the benefit of the doubt. It is there. The Eagles, it start everything starts. Everybody, you play the Eagles, you talk to any defensive coordinator, goes, we're worried about their O-line steamrolling us, right? You got them. Oh, the Houston Texans at number six. They're kind of a run-first football team. Now, it's become C.J. Stroud play-action pass, but they base it around the run game. The Baltimore Ravens are the number nine offense in football. So, you know, you're seeing defenses around the league right now have become very good at defending the pass and, and, and some of these concepts. It's the teams that can infuse the run, and even the Miami Dolphins, who lead football, I think, in rushing still, you know, they have that as well. Now, they got an awesome pass game to go along with it, but they make you think of that element to your point. And if Pittsburgh can become elite enough at that running game, you know, I think it can open up, you know, the field a lot for Kenny Pickett and their receivers. So where do the Steelers rank in relation to the rest of the teams now that they're 6-3? and three? You'll see where they are Uh-oh. when we show you this week's PFT Power Rankings next here on PFT Live. Shot 
Dump snap. Murray backs up the throw. Launching it deep. Near side. It is under throw. Oh, and it's caught at the 10-yard line by McBride. Oh, my goodness. Trey McBride. Have a day, baby. Takes the snap. Looks to his right. Ball is swatted high in the air. And it is intercepted by the Browns. Greg Newsom along the sidelines into the end zone. Let's go, Greg Newsom. Dobbs takes the snap out of the shotgun. Great drop. Throws to the end zone. And touchdown! And Dobbs has beaten them by land. And he just beat them by air. Here's the snap. Here's the spot. Here's the kick. Plenty of leg. And it's good! The Texans walk off with a win. Yes! Cincinnati. There it is. Fox the hole. Patterson the kick. It is up and it is... Good! He got it! That's a victory for the Lions on the final play of the game. And what a game it was! Six games in Week 10. Six of 14 games ended with a walk-off made field goal. That had never happened before. Five was the record as of Sunday. And six came on Monday night in that crazy finish with the Broncos and the Bills. So, after every week... We got to reshuffle the deck. We got to see who goes up, who goes down in the power rankings. And it's safe to say that since the Eagles didn't play and they're number one, hard to get knocked out of the top spot when you don't play. Although, Chris, I did think about it as we take a look at the Pro Football Talk power rankings presented by our friends at Toyota. I did think about putting the 49ers at number one. Wow, did you really? It did cross my mind. Wow. Yes. Uh, I, because they were so freaking dominant. I hear you. That Philadelphia's not going into Jacksonville and winning thirty-four to three. I, I don't think so either. I don't. I, I mean, li- listen. I I would have kept the Eagles number one. I don't think you're wrong for that. You know, like you said in earlier segments, the number one stat is you know outscoring the other team on that given day, and the Eagles do that better than anybody. Now, but at their very best, when you see, like, when we've seen the Eagles at their best this year and we've seen the 49ers at their best this year, I test to me, I think it kind of what you're saying, too, is it seems like the 49ers look better when they're both at their best. But the Eagles haven't hit some of the, you know, valleys or, or low spots that the 49ers hit, and of course in that three-game win streak. So that's where I think you gotta you gotta keep the Eagles at number one. But I certainly hear what you're saying about the 49ers. People ask me all the time, how far can the 49ers go? They can go all the way to the top if they keep their team healthy, and that's just not. Oh wow, it would be really unlucky if we get a guy injured. These are the guys who roll out of bed and run through the wall, and they're going to get hurt. Right now, everybody's healthy. It's not going to stay that way. We know it's not going to stay that way. They play the Seahawks twice coming up. It's not going to stay that way. They play the Eagles coming up. It's not going to stay that way. The way these players are wired, they don't care if they get hurt. They're not worried about next week. They're worried about right now. They're worried about kicking your ass right now. And if they emerge from that interaction with an injury, they'll deal with it. The problem is it hurts the team. Yeah. And it causes the team to lose three games in a row, potentially, if you don't have your best players available, like Debo Samuel, like Christian McCaffrey, Trent at least Williams. not at 100%, like Trent Williams. Yeah. That's that's what affects them. And it's not just random, fluky, oh, maybe we'll get lucky and nobody will get hurt. If you had a likelihood, if there was a measurement out there of a percentage chance likelihood of players getting injured on a given team, the 49ers would be number one because of the way they play. 
I, I, I don't disagree with you there. You know, we, we talk about it's what makes them awesome, but it is, it's what makes life a little dangerous for them too. They are kamikaze. They are. And they play a physical brand of football that certainly can lead to some injuries and affect their football team. All right, so I got some other issues with you here, okay? Um, I like that you left the Eagles number one. I like that you put the 49ers at two over the Chiefs. I'm not mad at that, even though they have one more loss, right? The one where I look at it a little bit is I go, I think you're being a little recency biased with your four and five. I don't think I would have put the Lions in front of the Ravens yet, all right? And here's this, you know, like I got major respect for the Lions, but, you know, again, they did get killed by the Baltimore Ravens a few weeks ago, totally obliterated and blown out. But on top of that, too, yes, you know the yeah the Lions beat the Chargers. Chargers are solid, but we know it's that team, that defense. It doesn't get much worse in football than that Chargers defense. And the Browns, I mean, and the, excuse me, and the Ravens who just blew out the Seahawks, who were a good team. You know, the Browns are legit. Like, the Browns' talent is up there with anybody in football. If Deshaun Watson can stay healthy and just get in the groove, the Browns are going to be in your top four or five here at some point. They got one of the best O-lines in football. We just talked about their defense. It's awesome at all three levels. They got a great tight end. They got a good running back. They got good receivers. So that's where I think you're being a little harsh on the Ravens there, dropping them three spots. I at least would have kept them in the top four. I, I put greater emphasis on November wins over October wins. And I think the okay. deeper we get into the season, and you can call it recency bias, I just think as we get deeper and deeper into the season, you got to beat your division rivals at home. It's one thing to blow out the Lions at home in October. You get the Browns coming to town in a big game. You're trying to separate from the pack in your division. You can't fall down and lose that game. And, yeah, you know, it could go either way, and I agree with you. The Ravens did kick the caca out of the Lions, so it is a little glaring. I, and I'll say this about the Browns. I'm looking at the MVP odds now, and I'm surprised that Miles Garrett is on the board where he is. He's 180 to one right now. Yeah. Um, if if the Browns if the Browns keep doing what they've been doing, and like you said, if Deshaun Watson can be available on a regular basis and play a little more like we've seen, like the guy he was in Houston, yep. the Browns pull the inside straight here and end up with a one seed. Miles Garrett is the third ever defensive. NFL MVP. He'll be number one on my ballot if the Browns are the one seed in the NFC, AFC. Now it depends on who the number one seed is in the AFC, NFC. Boy, I'm getting my conferences screwed up. But Miles Garrett's going to be in my top two at a minimum if the Browns end up somehow finagling the number one seed in the AFC. It's not going to be easy, but they're in the mix for it. They're only one loss behind the Chiefs, who are currently at the top with two losses. Yeah, he's. I, I don't. I, I got no problem with what you're saying. For right now, and the way it is, this is a year where there's no clear-cut front runner, in my opinion, at quarterback to sit here and go, oh, we definitely give him the MVP. You've heard my two cents. You know, the MVP in football, at, 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 you know, if we had a vote on it last week, to me would have been Tyree Kill. I mean, every week that's all we talk about is, whoa, who's going to stop? How do you stop? Who do, huh? Whoa, there he goes. Look at the highlights. Oh, Tyree Kill, Tyree Kill. I mean, it, I feel like, like is everybody not realizing that he's the most talked about person on a week-to-week basis? So, yeah, him, A.J. Brown, you know, Miles Garrett for that defense, the sacks, 
the plays, the influence he has on the football game, it goes beyond the sacks and numbers too, Mike, to your point. There's a lot of F the play up stats. There's a lot of, you know, big tackles and great plays in the run game and big moments throughout the year. And I mean, he has taken the mantle of the leader of that defense and man, he's been phenomenal. So I got no, no problem with your thought there. I like what you're saying there. Come for the power rankings, stay for the impromptu MVP discussion. And I'm feeling more positive about the prospects of C.J. Stroud if the Texans make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Because, Chris, that ballot now has five names on it. And I think what's going to happen, potentially, if the Texans make the playoffs, they don't have to be the one seed, you could have a jumbled mess of number one votes. And there really isn't anybody who captures enough yeah. of them yeah. to overcome the possibility that everybody puts Stroud at number two right. on their ballot. I, I, if you have enough people to yeah. put Stroud at two, he doesn't need to have the most number one votes, and he could win it that way. Yeah, it, it's it's. hey, listen, he's exceeded expectation. What he's doing as a rookie, you heard me say a few weeks ago, it's the best rookie season I can ever remember seeing a quarterback play. I mean, he's big in big moments. He's taking care of the football. He's making a ton of explosive plays certainly deserves to be in the conversation there's no doubt about that we'll see you know we got we got eight weeks of football left but yeah as we sit here right now there's no clear front runner at the as MVP right now for me at least there's not and uh, I think that's good makes it a little more intriguing than years past we haven't seen this in a while absolutely and uh oh uh, last thing by like, the way on Stroud, very been, cute how you put your two favorite teams at 11 and 12 very cute how you put your Steelers and the Vikings there next to each other you're like oh I don't know what to do with my favorite teams what should I do oh I'll put them next to each other so they both feel good uh I guess you're a little more of a Steelers fan this week than the Vikings huh I guess that's the way it is are you finished? Yep. <laughs> I didn't move the Steelers at all because it really wasn't a great win over the Packers. It was just kind of blah. It was so I left them yep. at 10. The Browns jumped the Steelers. The Browns jumped the Steelers after beating the Ravens. I left the Seahawks where they were, too, because there wasn't anything impressive about that win over the Commanders. They should have kicked the crap out of them. And obviously the Dolphins didn't move because they didn't play. So, yeah, did we do the – let's show the second screen real quick because people will complain if they don't see the second screen, even though the full rankings are available at profootballtalk.com. There's the second screen, and look at number 32, the Patriots. Yeah, that's they all you, that's all you wanted to point right out. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that, that thing that we saw on Sunday morning is unforgivable, and I think the only reason Bill Belichick's still employed is because they are hoping that they can get a draft pick from someone to take Bill Belichick off their hands after the season. All right, let's take a break. When we return, scrolling down to the T's, scroll, scroll, there's no T's. There'll be something when PFT Live returns right after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win. 
defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Have to stick it hard on the shins. You, you hear that? You see that noise or no? Yeah, yeah, I see it. I, I won MVP twice in the same offense, so <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a believer in the, I'm a believer in the offense, and um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of positions you gotta you gotta play better. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's easy right now to, to throw it at the, the usual suspects, you know, Zach and 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 Nathaniel. But there's uh, there's a lot of positions that uh, that need to need to play better. Aaron Rodgers coming to defense of Nathaniel Hackett. And look, I got to throw the challenge flag when he says I won MVP twice in that offense. It was Hackett working with Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur was calling the plays. Once Hackett went to Denver, something went haywire. And now in New York, he's the guy fully in charge of the offense. Robert Saul is a defensive guy. So there's a difference. And also, they've been resistant to adjusting the offense to suit Zach Wilson. They're so ingrained with the offense as designed for Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if they don't want to get away from it because they're thinking he's going to come back. So they don't want to have to unlearn, then relearn. for their, I don't know, but it's not going to matter. He's not going to come back this year if they don't win some games soon. And I don't care who's to blame. The offense stinks. The defense is great. The offense stinks. I don't care who you blame. Forget about stats. Forget about names. Forget about this. Forget about that. They aren't scoring enough points. And it doesn't pass the eyeball test. Too many plays are like, what the hell was that? So, you know, it's this whole mid-December thing from Rodgers, it's not going to matter if they don't win one of the next two. They may have to win two of the next two for it to matter. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, there's no point in coming back or doing anything like that if, if, you know, they're out of the playoff race. That would be stupid for the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. You know, there is a part of me that thinks he says this to keep – hope alive within the Jets organization, within the locker room a little bit, let alone I think he is you know, hopeful himself that it can get there and maybe he can make some miraculous comeback. So I feel like it's a little bit like wishing into an existence, also dangling it in front of the team a little bit to be like, hey, keep playing, keep fighting. You know, If we can just stay there, I'll come back and I'll save the day. Uh, so th- there's that aspect. But, but you said it right. I mean, hey, the defense we know is, is pretty damn special. Uh, it hasn't, you know, always been special in some big moments like we saw in the third, or you know, late third, fourth quarter of the other night. But it's still amazing. Offensively, it's it's a lot of things. You know, one, I think some of the talent on the offense, which again, the wide receiver position was predicated on the fact that they were going to win games and move the ball more on brains than physical ability. That's why Lazard and Randall Cobb were there. Let me check to this play. You know exactly the signals, how I want the route run, where to, how to run the route according to zone, man, whatever the coverage is, do all of that, 
right? So all of that was good. You know, hey, we're going to get in formations that are going to tell Rodgers and give him clues to what the coverage is. He'll get us in the right play. Those guys will listen and we'll be good to go. Boom, he'll get the ball out of his hands, blah, 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 right? Well, Zach Wilson's not ready for that. He's not. It's, it's, it's a new offense to him. You know, we know he's been young and raw and learning offense as it is to begin with. And this is just to ask him to now, oh, I'm going to get back there and get us in the right play every time and do all that. No, that takes years and years to happen for quarterbacks. And that's how they formulated the team around, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson needs the opposite. He needs it like, hey, team, tell me, and I can make great throws. And if you can just get a guy open, I'll throw a laser and get him open. But if you think I'm going to get us in the right play and dissect coverages and perfectly place the ball in these intricate routes all the time, no, he's not going to do that. So that's the problem when you go all in for a guy like Aaron Rodgers and listen to everything he wants. If he gets hurt, yeah, there's issues now with how that offense is formulated and how it could execute going forward. That's right. Everything was constructed for him. He exits after four plays. It's not easy to pivot to other guy who comes in. Now, the counter to that is look at what O'Connell did with Josh Dobbs, but that system wasn't specifically handcrafted for That's right. Kirk Cousins. Right. That was the system O'Connell bought, bought and, O'Connell's and he's special. flexible enough that he can adapt yeah. it. Right. Yeah, and and O'Connell's oh, special. And- like I watched that game on film yesterday too. He's he's brilliant. You know, he's just great in how, again, like we talked about with the first segment with Ken Dorsey, how he ties plays together, what he gets defenses thinking or looking at, and then he comes with a, you know, a haymaker or whatever. He's great at formulating plays and game plans that way. And Nathaniel Hackett's good, certainly, but I'm not going to put him in Kevin O'Connell's, you know, uh, department as far as play caller and play designer that way. Oh yeah, Rodgers is dependent on that. Then the offensive line, they were kind of, hey, risking it as it was, and it's been injured and banged up. So they can't run the ball and stay on the field that way. It's put more pressure on Zach Wilson and, and Nathaniel Hackett. And then with that, too, they don't protect all that well. So you know, there's a lot of things to Aaron Rodgers' point and what he said there that you know, there, there's a lot of things that need to be improved there with the New York Jets on the offensive side of the ball, and it's not just Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, uh, but they they got to do something here in a hurry or they're going to be in deep crap. They had a players-only meeting on Tuesday. Now, that didn't work last week for the Buffalo Bills, and usually a players-only meeting is a sign of desperation. Yeah. I don't know how often it actually works. I don't know. Have you been part of a players-only meeting, and do they work? Uh, yes, I have. And, you know, no, more times than not, the players-only meeting happens when it's too late, when it's like, oh, we're, we're already on the downslope of dysfunction and we're falling apart. You know, if we, this should have been said three, four weeks ago before we got to this, like we, we are going down and, you know, it, it's just all becoming a disaster. So, you know, it can change the attitude. There is some benefit there, but, you know, yeah, in my experience, more times than not, it, it happens too late and then it, it just doesn't have the quite desired effect that you'd like it to have. And I guess some of the value is to clear the air, yep. air some grievances. That's right. I could see it go in a bad way, too. You could probably have some fights break out in a players-only meeting. But I agree with you. By the time the players recognize that we need to break glass in event of emergency, the emergency's already happened. Yes. And it's just a question right. of, of how long it's going to take to clean up 
the the ensuing mess. So not a good sign for the Jets. They got the Bills, and hey, that becomes a pretty damn interesting game. Yes, it just does. Just for the train wreck factor. It's kind of Which must win for both. Lose this game and yeah. be done. Yeah. Yes, you lose this and you're done. Now you could still run the table. Yeah, but at five and six, the Bills aren't going to run the table and finish eleven and six. It ain't going to happen. Same for the the Jets. They lose this game and they fall to four and six. They're not going to suddenly catch fire down the stretch. This is a litmus test for both teams. Who's going to step up as we approach Thanksgiving? and get a win and parlay it into another and another. And that Jets schedule, you know, those Falcons and Texans games yeah. looked like easy games before the season. They ain't going to be easy now. Now, the Falcons, who knows where they are, but the Texans game all of a sudden is not an easy game. <laughs> Nothing's easy for the Jets. You've been watching them? Nothing's easy. I mean, damn, Tommy DeVito and the Giants had them dead. They were done. And then miracle, a shamrock and a horseshoe flew up their ass and they won the football game. I mean, you know, we could get my old Ramapo High School team out there and it'd be like, whoa, the Jets, it's a fourth quarter win for them. They, they just, they just eke this one out. You know, I'm joking, of course, but yeah, with the state of their offense and how it's playing and executing, I, it doesn't matter who they play in the NFL. It's going to be a nail biter. And so nothing's a given. And you're right. Houston and Atlanta are, you know, Houston certainly better than we thought. Atlanta may be going in the wrong direction here, but definitely not going to be easy for the Jets. I, I was told by somebody in a position to make a fair estimate that Week 16, game against the Commanders, Christmas Eve, that's the absolute drop dead last date for Rodgers to return, and they need to be seven and seven or eight and six at that point for it to matter, because the thinking is it's going to take ten wins minimum to get in. So we'll we'll see if they can hold it together. They've got to go three and two, right? Three and two or four and one over the next five to make that happen. And that team that I've seen recently, I don't I don't see it happening. But uh, we'll find out when we return. We'll take a look at the best catches from Week Ten of the 2023 season. More PFT Live right after this. Those are the odds for Coach of the Year, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. You see the favorite is the guy we talked about at the top of the show, suggests wearing a diaper during Lions games, plus 150. Clear favorite, D'Amico Ryans, 3-1 to one. just behind him. There's Mike McDaniel, 6-1. to one. Kevin O'Connell, plus 750, 7.5-1, to one. and the rest on the list. So we're going to do a draft today, Christopher, not just of the guys who we think will win it eventually, but the guys who would get it right now, 10 weeks in. No more games to be played. You know, they always say, if the season ended today. Yeah. And I always say, if the season ended today, that means something really bad happened. <laughs> like, if the season ends today, it's time to go get in the bunker because the nuclear missiles are in the air. That's a kind of a dark yep. turn that we get, take on a Wednesday yep. morning. Anyway. Don't forget to put your diaper that's on. That's one example of how the season would end. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, an exa- that's true. That's true. When you're going to go to the bunker, you got to take a pack of the, the best available adult uh, undergarments for such occasions. <laughs> okay. So, 
You're up first. Coach of the year as of right now, if the season ends today and we're in a bunker wearing our diapers. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Mike McDaniel, the Miami Dolphins. Like, I know that they haven't beat elite teams, but I still look at it and go, like, who has dominated the conversation for the most part, the first 10 weeks of the season? It's the Miami Dolphins and their offense. They're, they're revolutionary in what they're doing there. So, you know, yes, they're six and three. Uh, they're, the best running team in football, the best passing team in football, the best scoring team in football. I mean, they do it all. So that's where I'll look at it and give him my my first pick there. But Mike McDaniel, what he's doing with Tua, Tyreek Hill, Waddle, all that, the run game, it's special. And we haven't seen an offense dominate in this many categories in quite some time. When people ask me how you determine coach of the year, I always say that it is basically the coach whose team most exceeded the generally accepted expectations entering the season. Yeah. And it's very loose and right. qualitative. But but under that standard, it's got to be D'Amico Ryans. Because the Texans were the one team in the AFC that we said before the season, they got no chance. They got no chance. The Texans and then maybe the Raiders are the two teams in the AFC that had no chance. And look at where the Texans are at 5-4. and four. They beat the Buccaneers in that thrilling come-from-behind win. They beat the crap out of the Steelers early in the year. They beat the Jaguars by 20 on the road. And most recently, they went into Cincinnati and took down a very hot Bengals team with another last-second win. He's getting the most out of C.J. Stroud. Now, again, may have to worry about replacing Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, after the season, but so be it. D'Amico Ryans has done far more than anyone ever would have expected with the Texans, and that team has emerged from multiple years of Jack Easterby-induced darkness to become a relevant force in the NFL again. Yeah, I, I, I like your pick. He certainly is on my list, for sure. I mean, yeah, definitely exceeded expectations. The defense has been damn good. And then, you know, how they've managed C.J. Stroud and what they've gotten out of him and that whole situation, you know, on starting him, when to make him the starter, all that type of stuff, that all goes to the head coach too, having a good feel for what was right for their team and C.J. Stroud. So I'm with you there. Good pick. D'Amico Ryan's been phenomenal. Right, you know, you said it. It's like the team that exceeds expectations, except for this one team right here where I'm going to go with Dan Campbell as the next pick. Uh, you know, I, we all knew the the Lions had the potential to be good. It's it's one thing to talk about it and oh, they ended the season last year. You know, playing this way, right? But there's been a stench in Detroit around that organization for a long, long time. He is the reason it's different there. You know, and yeah, that he didn't change all the culture this year, but he's changed the culture all the up to this point to get that team to believe and it's one thing to be hey you know they're going to be a good team there and then it's another thing to go out and whoa hey well they did beat the Kansas City Chiefs in week one whoa they are beating the teams they're supposed to beat and you know of course really damn good against the teams they shouldn't either they're seven and two I'm going to go with Dan Campbell I'm going to go with Kevin O'Connell. When you look at how they started one and four they turned it around Kirk Cousins yep. gets injured for the year and it's done and it's over, but wait, no, it's not. They're six and four and they're very much alive. We're just going to hold this to two rounds. We okay. got something we got to get to on the other side of the break. Uh -oh. Before we take a break, don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no sweat same game parlay every single day. Download the app and use the promo code 
PFT Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Big news out of Cleveland when PFT continues right after this. Just announced by the Browns, no leaks to the information robots on this one. Deshaun Watson has two injuries from Sunday's game against the Ravens. High ankle sprain and on a hit in the first half, he went to the medical staff after the game. Discomfort in the right shoulder. He has a displaced uh, displaced fracture to the glenoid, whatever the hell the glenoid is. We know this, season-ending surgery. He'll be back in 2024. He's done, Chris, for the rest of the season. Done. We were just talking about how if he could stay healthy – the Browns could maybe pull the one seed. Now, if they even make the playoffs, it's going to come from who? Dorian Thompson-Robinson? P.J. Walker? Do they find somebody else? Who else is out there? Yeah, I, I think they're going to stay with those two. You know, They won some games with P.J. Walker. It wasn't very good. They beat the 49ers with them. We'll see where it goes. But this is – I just can't get over this. I really can't. I mean, Deshaun Watson, every time we think of he's about to turn the corner – and get back into a groove and play at a high level, there's an injury or a hiccup or something that you know disrupts this whole situation. But, damn, I can't help to think. One, I mean, I was coming around. We were talking about it earlier in the segment, going, the Browns, if Watson just can continue to get a little bit better, they could go to the Super Bowl this year. I mean, now, yeah, you got to certainly think twice about that. And then, of course, you think about the investment they made to get to Sean Watson, and here they are two years in a row where they don't get very much out of it. Holy crapola, Batman. I can't believe it. And remember, last year, there was a thought that some owners didn't want Roger Goodell to suspend him for a full year for the off-field yeah. issues because it forced the Browns to check year one of the five-year contract. And now, year two, checked three years left 46 million fully guaranteed per year and all the stuff see we get so caught up in the money i was telling somebody about this the other day somebody was asking me about are are the browns getting a return on the financial investment in watson it's like no and they gave up three first round picks and three mid-round picks to get him the the contract was so weird we lose sight of yeah giving up six draft picks for this guy right no it's it's huge it really is uh, they're a team that's set up for right now. They really are. They got everything like we talked about. Awesome D-line, awesome linebackers, awesome secondary, awesome offensive line, awesome tight end, good receivers, good running back. You know, Everything pointed on the up and up for Cleveland, and now they've been totally throwing a curveball here. I got an idea. I've seen Miles Garrett play basketball. Let him play quarterback. <laughs> that would be something. That may be their best option. That's it for today. Enjoy your Wednesday. See you tomorrow. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 
21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.